everyone. Welcome back to Gray Matters. This is Charmaine. Today's episode is going to be the first in a new long series that we're introducing called Media Talks. And we are focusing today on the Netflix series, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yes. Hello, everyone. This is Ricky. And as Charmaine said, we are so excited to introduce this Media Talks series to our listeners. Um, here at Gray Matters, we felt like that we wanted to use all of our research and topics that we have discussed in season one, such as feminism, womanism, um, colorism, and et cetera, to kind of talk more about trending things that we see in the media. This could be series, music videos, just different things that we see come out to kind of give our audience or our listeners a perspective of the way we analyze media and just talk about the different media that we consume. And so we wanted to start off with the chilling adventures of Sabrina um, because it's been very much talked about season four, I think, just dropped on Netflix. It well, unfortunately, they're soon to get rid of the whole series. So if you haven't seen it, stop everything you're doing now and go watch it before they completely yes. get rid of it. Binge it. <laughs> Binge it. We like. Charmaine binged it. I binged season four um, in preparation for this episode. And I think that this show is a great example of a way that we can all kind of be more media literate. Um, if you're unsure about what that means, we have an episode with Dr. Tracy Everbach about what media literacy means. But just a brief kind of overview, media literacy involves um, having a more open analytical eye to the media that we consume and understanding the framing and the perspective and represent, representation and just different things in the media to have an open eye about. And for this particular series, just to give everyone kind of like a heads up, we're going to cover the whole series in this one episode. So it might be a little long, but I promise it'll be very exciting. So just bear with us. Um, but as we said, this is the whole series that we're going to try to, you know, break down into one episode. Yeah, um, but we, there's a lot to interesting things to cover. <laughs> there is, there is so much. And I feel like we go through this kind of back and forth, like, do we want to have like multiple episodes or do we want to have one? And so I, we felt like that we could get it done in one episode. So we're going to focus on just a few key things that stood out to us about the series. And I think one of the biggest things that we can start off with um, throughout the series that I noticed is there were moments where, like we said before, where I felt like it was kind of like activism for clout and how like we've talked about this before. What does it truly look like to have representation and activism in our daily lives? And I think you could further that discussion to talk about what does it look like to have the have representation and activism in the media content we consume and to mm -hmm. accurately portray an activist um, kind of social justice agenda in a show? Um, so I found it interesting that like throughout the show, like when I was looking, I was like looking for the characters of color. And, and even though the show has a representation of character of color it it kind of still feels like they're that token character of color if that makes sense or it's yeah. like they're that background support character I don't know if you felt the same way um Charmaine if you also like were looking and were like okay 
there's one, two, but wait, there's still like mm-hmm. a supporting character. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's one of the first things that really stood out to me too. And you and I talk about this a lot because it's it's something that we're very well aware of, aware of and we pay attention to in the media we consume. And I was a huge fan of the original, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Well, okay, it's not the original, but for me, it was the original, right? Like it was the Melissa mm-hmm. Joan Hart version from like, I guess it was like 90s, maybe early 2000s. But yeah. mm-hmm. um, I was young when I watched it and I just, I loved it. I loved everything about the show. I loved everything about the characters. I thought it was so fun. But definitely, even at a very young age, without the language to express it, I felt like there was not, I, I wasn't, I never felt represented. Well, I never felt represented in much of the TV I watched growing up. But there was, so a, there was much to be desired, like in that show. Um, and so I was really excited about this one because I'm like, oh, I've heard it's like a lot more diverse. Um, there was definitely a lot of the, there, there's a lot of dropping of um, like, I'm going to call it in uh kind of like feminist trendy feminist lingo yeah. yes yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. and not that that's that's first of all like that may come off like a criticism and it's not entirely it's a critique for sure but it's great to hear those words it's i love when i hear those conversations in mainstream platforms but like you said a lot of times it's dropped in like lingo and the real mm-hmm. true meaning or understanding of those words is not contextualized and it's not represented in the narrative or in the casting and the characters. Like, I will go into that a little bit more and what we mean by that. But yeah, I definitely, I, I think that's an important thing to kind of frame this conversation around is like why we felt like there was, there's, there is a lot of like tokenism and, and we, and how, like what you said, Ricky, with like the background character, like the col- characters of color being kind of background or supporting characters to Sabrina, which, I mean, they kind of talk about this in the show, but like, she has like a massive like savior complex, which we see a lot mm-hmm. with white characters. Like there is like a white savior issue that that happens. And we, um, I find that there was a lot of like the characters were kind of fulfilling this tokenism quota, which we discussed in an upcoming episode for this season, which will be uh, coming up in a couple episodes with Dr. Gabrielle Smith, who is a social psychologist. So we discussed some media concerns with her as well, or just some media uh, topics. And she talks about the, tokenism quota. And I definitely felt like this show was kind of playing into some of those narratives. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like tokenism as we, as we, as we are quote unquote becoming or as like organizations, corporations are becoming quote unquote more aware and we're like releasing all of these statements and like trying to quote unquote find ways to have a brighter future. I think tokenism plays an essential like role into dismantling tokenism and really dissecting it plays an essential role to moving forward because that extends to having a three-dimensional character not just Mm -hmm. having a support character which we will talk about as we go into other um, series and videos that we kind of have these media talks about and the fact that um I guess we can start by talking about some of the characters of color. Like one of the first characters are like one of the first characters that I saw that I was like, okay, finally, there's someone that, you know, kind of looks like me. I can kind of like relate to was Roz. I was like, oh, love Roz. Loved Roz. Roz. Yeah. Loved Roz. Like we, like when I saw her, I was like, okay, girl. I see you. They got you rocking your natural hair. You're in this school. Like, okay, I see you. And for me, I was like, 
oh no, I really hope they don't like stereotype her character or like, I really hope, like I had high expectations for the character of Ross, not high expectations as like, you know, I'm on like a high horse or anything like that. But just the fact that this character is the representation of a black woman mm-hmm. in this show. Um, and I'll go a little bit more into that when it comes to Prudence too, because I love Prudence. Like, I feel like Prudence is like, yeah. I feel like on like, I don't know, on a different, like, like they call it like in a different world, I could definitely be Prudence. Cause I'm like, yes, yes. She's queen. so badass. Yeah. She is so, yeah. <laughs> I'll get into her, but I'll continue to talk about Roz. Um, and one of the things that I, I guess, appreciated about Roz when I first saw, or when we first get introduced to her is that she had character development. She started, you know, getting into her own self. We learned a little bit, you know, they kind of address the history of like um, racism, like a teeny tiny bit, but she kind of develops her own power and develops. So like her character isn't like revolving around Sabrina who has a power, but she kind of gets into her own self. Um, And but I felt like even though she gets into her own self, there is still lacking of, um, of like addressing what it, it, what it would be for a character like Roz to be in a town like Greendale. Yeah. Greendale, what that Mm -hmm. would mean. And when I say that, I mean to say like the history of like racism in Greendale, like that's not addressed. Like in the fact that this town is in Massachusetts and like Massachusetts, like if if Roz's connections to her ancestors are related to the cunning, then there has to be some like addressing of like slavery and like what that meant. And they kind of do it a little bit in season four. Like it's kind of like hinted at when there, it finally comes out that Roz is a witch and like the cunning they just made that up to kind of hide the fact because um, they didn't want to get killed with the other witches or something like that. But I feel yeah. like I feel like the show could have did so much more. I kind of feel like they kind of overshadow her her blackness. And even when she's running for co-president with Sabrina, I kept thinking, OK, what about black feminism? Like they mentioned feminism and that's great. But there is this history of like like we talked about in season one of black women feeling excluded excluded from the feminist movement and there there are times where I feel like Sabrina is like speaking on behalf of Roz if that makes sense or yeah a hundred percent yeah almost on yeah. on behalf of Roz and um Susie who then is later Theo to a large yes. extent too mm-hmm. where and I agree with you I think that's really interesting with um like Wicca you know like the creation of Wicca where Mm -hmm. when she starts talking about it I was like yes girl you go Sabrina and then like but I also felt very much like it's it plays into a lot of the narratives that we see about like trendy feminism and quotes like on in in media and on tv where it's very like second wave and now kind of third wave like jargon and lingo and second wave feminism which this can be argued, but it has been largely exclusionary. First and second wave feminism was very largely exclusionary to many populations that were not white women. And so, um, and that's, you know, around the time of like creation of black feminist thought. And so I, I definitely agree. I think that Sabrina did a lot of speaking for people um, on the show, which was problematic. And I also think it's, yeah, I, I agree with you too about like them bringing in the Roz narrative later um, because it's like, 
As much character development Roz had, I also, okay, I'm going to throw this in there really quickly. As much character development Roz had, I feel like Prudence didn't. Like, I feel like yes. her character development was much more limited and stagnant. Like, she yes. kind of went back and forth, which I found yes. problematic because I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. It's like you're almost like you're allowing one Black character to grow and that's It's it. like you can't have two strong, yes. evo- right. like, develop, like, evolving Black women. And right. I kind of understood what they like were trying to do. Like, one needed to fit the, the stereotype or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. Like, and I kind of understood what they were trying to do with, like, the development of the weird sisters. Up. Yeah. Okay, preface. I need to preface this episode. We're gonna have spoilers, so if you haven't yeah. seen it, go go watch the watch the show, and then then yeah. come back to. Us. We tried to do it in a way that I'm like, there's no way, there's no way. I'm sorry, like yeah, we, there's gonna be some spoilers. We're gonna um, spoil it. I'm really yeah. sorry, but yeah. but go watch yeah, the show we, and then listen to this. You'll probably enjoy yes. it a lot more. <laughs> yes, pause this, go and listen, uh, go and watch, and then come back and listen. Yes. Um, but yeah, I kind of understood what they were doing with the weird systems because they had M- Mambo Marie, they had Ross, mm-hmm. they had Prudence. I was like, okay, all right, I see this. You know, it's sprinkled in. But compared to Roz, I was like, oh, there's so much depth that they could have had with Prudence's character. Or yeah. even like, I kept thinking, okay, I wonder what her experience is as a Black woman in, in you know, in you know the school the of church magic of night. yeah the church yeah. of night like what is what is her experience has been like wh- what about her ancestry especially mm-hmm. because she has like there's also like like we talked about like biraciality and like having her her dad who abandoned her and her mom like and I feel even with the twins Judas and Judith I'm like oh there's so there's yeah. so much like um evolution that could have happened with those characters of color that I feel like well since we brought her up I'm just gonna say like we can talk about Prudence because I feel like Prudence and Ra's story it kind of like intersects in in some aspects too like there's an oversexualization I feel like sometimes they oversexualize Prudence too and I feel yes. like that falls into the Jezebel trope and she was angry and a villain to Sabrina. So that kind of falls into the angry black woman. And it's the like black woman versus white woman kind of stereotype and trope. And I'm not to, not to say that like you can't have a villain played by a black woman, if that's to say. But I'm saying like if you're going to have true representation of the black experience black woman experience or person of color experience you should have a three-dimensional character they shouldn't just stay like oh this one's evil this one good which they kind of try to play around with but I feel like they don't do as much as they could have done with her character I think they overlook a lot of things and like you said just going back to Roz for a quick second like what you were saying about her ancestry and her history Mm -hmm. and all of that I think that was I wish that there was, more, and I know that this show got cut short, so maybe they were planning on, you know, I'm, I'm like giving them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're planning on developing this more, but also I think it was a little late to do it in season four. I think they should have definitely developed some of this earlier with like Roz's ancestry. You're absolutely right. Like, you know, there it was very much like kind of thrown in there and like breezed mm-hmm. over, but it, it's, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. Like when she finds out that, you know, they, they use the word cunning because, you know, black women, and this plays into respectability politics, we're expected to just be like good Christian women. And so Mm -hmm. you can't be a good Christian woman and a witch, you know, that was the narrative. And so like, they had to say it was a cunning, 
and they had to kind of conceal it and and uh, like mask it and disguise it and that's so rooted and so, like I think that was so profound that little piece of information that we received and I'm like that is so much to unpack that mm-hmm. I think they did not do justice and um yeah the over sexualization was very like icky. That's the word I can think of. Like it was this weird, the whole show had like this weird obsession with like virginity and youth and female sexuality, which I'm like, can we ever just have like shows some that aren't about, especially like if they're related to like magic and things like, can we not, can we not like, first of all, and then it's just, it feels, especially the way that it's done. It feels very much like it's done through like a white colonial gaze. Um, and so that's problematic, but even with Roz, I don't know if you remember this Ricky, but like it was towards, I want to say it was like towards maybe season four, maybe in season four, but like um, it's when the pagans come to town and one of them, the snake woman who we'll get into, she, I think, cause she could like senses or sees Roz and says like, oh, you're, you're, you're like over-sexual or you're very like lusty or something like that. And I was like, really? We had, we had to do that with Roz? Like, okay. Like it felt very like that what you were saying about playing into like the, like Jezebel kind of trope. Like it, it, I felt like even though it didn't really fit her character, it, they had to throw that in there. And that felt really like they didn't, they really did Roz's character dirty by throwing her into that mix. Like that was, yeah. 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 That was not, I didn't like that. <laughs> yes. I, I was, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause I'm actually gonna bring that up. And I was like, people are probably gonna think I'm reaching, but I'm glad no. you mentioned that that example because my other example of how they over-sexualize Ross is her relationship with Harvey. Like, first mm-hmm. of all, like, okay, first of all, first of all, let <laughs> let's me, break let down me, Harvey. Let me let <laughs> me just break down Harvey as like this stereotypical white male patriarchal savior, blah, 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 blah. Like he to a T, that's 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 what his character is. And Let's just break it down even more and talk about how the show decided to just give Harvey, like, basically, okay, Sabrina doesn't want Harvey, so we're just going to give Harvey to Roz, and, like, let's talk about that dynamic and, like, how I was uncomfortable with that dynamic, because I'm like, okay, that kind of plays into, like, and then also they add it in there towards the end of the show, like, when Father Blackwood, like, takes over the town and becomes emperor, and and um Roz is trying to like get get Harvey to see all of this is like um an eldritch terror and she's like I you lost your virginity to me it it just made me uncomfortable that that Mm -hmm. had to be the whole premise of their relationship or like that had to be mentioned because in my head I'm like here we go it's the Jezebel black woman sexual predator like trope like it's this it's this kind of like I was like, did that really have to be mentioned? That that didn't have to be mentioned. Or like, it, yeah, it didn't. Yeah. There's this there's this fascination with like white are like like you said with like purity and virginity. Even the kind of like even Sabrina's like whole exploration of like sexuality is like completely different than the way that they treat like Roz and Prudence yes. and, and even like Agatha and all of Ambrose. All of the characters of color are are treated differently and and their their like their their journey of sexualization is completely different than Sabrina like right which the white characters are given so much space to do that and and like 
with Harvey too, like, it's almost like a juxtaposition. Like here's Harvey, mm-hmm. like he's the victim throughout the mm-hmm. show in mm-hmm. many ways. And then Ugh, the juxtaposition the against, yeah. Against Roz, <laughs> who is like, you know, not the victim, if that makes sense in, in many yeah. ways, or, or even if she is, cause you kind of feel bad for her about like her, her vision and all that. It's like, but it's like reminding you like, Oh, but still, she's still a Jezebel. Like that yeah. kind of like it's just icky. I don't know. It's like the word I think it of. Just, I keep going back yeah. to that. It, it just made me right. feel. It was very unsettling for me. I guess I could say. Like mm. I was just like, uh, this makes me very, very like uncomfortable. And even there's a there's that whole episode. Um, I I noted where the weird comes, and when the weird comes, like it's obsession with um like like there's an episode where like the weird comes and like everyone becomes obsessed with like sexual things or something like that. I'm trying to remember Mm -hmm. like, and I think there was like a segment where it gets into Roz and like Roz becomes super like hypersexual. And then they like, take it to Theo and Theo becomes super hypersexual. I don't oh, know. It's the, it's the incubus, the sex yes. demon. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank yeah, you. It's the, the incubus, the sex demon. Yeah. I think it, it inhabited the, the men I want to say, but also, yeah, but it is around that time. And I can't remember exactly. You might be right. It was when the weird came that that's when they, Oh, I think it's when it's with the pagans and the, the snake lady. It was something. It's around, yeah, yeah. But it's no, you're absolutely, it's, it's around that time where they really like kind of delve into that. And that also to me is partly like th- who is creating these shows and it's their gaze. Like that's what I meant mm-hmm. by like the male colonial gaze where it's like, mm-hmm. that's the gaze that's being put on these people. And I, I know it's like a high school show and it's like, you know, hypersexualized as a lot of high school shows are, but that in of itself is a little problematic too. Like the fact that we're like, hypersexualizing these children like they are in high school we yes. do talk a lot about like age of oh. consent and all that and then we're sitting here watching a show with 16 year olds and you know like they allow them to explore your sexuality but in their own terms and not against like narratives of I, there's just there's so many layers not with that. narratives of incubus and like things like yeah like getting inside of them and like stuff like like they're getting possessed with things and it's yeah. making them like even with like um like there was a whole like thing with like Nick and Nick having like a addiction to sex. And I kept thinking, are these children still in high school? Like, right. what? you know, it's probably me. I, can't and my tell you. I mean, same. I can't like, I can't tell you how many times I was like, when does Sabrina sleep? Cause she's, I'd be tired. Like, I'm like she's, she... she's at Baxter high. And then she's at the Academy for, for unseen arts. And then she's like out here, like doing things at night. Like girl, do you sleep? Do you have history homework? Like, do you, do you turn in your homework? Like what? Can you just walk out of class? I know this is like the very like, like way too analytical, realistic. This is us trying to be super realistic of the show. But I think the realism is important to address because I think the realism ties into the representation. It ties into the, the, the character arcs. It ties into the dimension of the characters. And I think one of the characters also that I was really, really disheartened by was Agatha. Mm-hmm. She is the the Asian character. She's like the only like central Asian character for a while, like the one that's really consistent. Mm-hmm. And I was really upset because like she like she said, like I said, she's a very like two dimensional character. She not even two dimensional. It's like one dimensional where mm-hmm. she's just like a backup mean girl. And 
I, I'm always questioning like her cultural context. I'm like, who's her dad? Like, where she come from? And I know they have the narrative of them being like orphans and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, and then and eventually she becomes a villain and she kills Dorcas. Sorry, spoiler, mm-hmm. but she kills Dorcas. And I'm like, great. Now she is the woman of color who killed the innocent white girl. And I'm just yeah. like, it's like so many tropes that they fall into with Agatha that I'm like, there was some real potential for for greatness and like character development and, and cultural context representation that could have happened with yeah. her character. Um, so yeah, I was very like disheartened by by that in this show and, and the fact that it was left out. I'm glad you brought that up because as I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of this now as I'm watching the show that, and I thought about this a little bit with, especially when it comes to shows that are about like fantasy and um, like magic and I guess like vampires and all that, like when there's not representation or when there's like inaccurate representation, it's so disappointing. Cause you're like, this is already fantasy. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Like why is now I'm thinking back. I'm like, there's no Latinos on the show. Mm-hmm. There's literally only black and white and then some mixed interracial things. And then there's some like, like flavor thrown in there, like Agatha or something else. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I'm thinking back. I'm like, there's, there could be so much potential on this show for, or, and same thing with like, when we had our Harry Potter conversation, it was a lot of the same thing where there's like such, so much inaccurate, inaccurate and tokenist representation that is disappointing when you reflect back on a show like this, but, and, and not just for race and ethnicity, but I, I, I don't know. I'm a little torn on their LGBTQIA plus representation. I think that they did something positive with, um, making Theo like, um, transgender, um, possibly non-binary. They didn't super address it. I think that there was some, I want to say like some maybe positivity in the way that they didn't explicitly address certain things, like how there's there. I think we talked about this a little bit later, but, um, there's an episode where Sabrina, um, when she makes like the mandrake of herself and then she comes back and she like has like these very like blatant questions that she asked Theo about themselves, about them and their identity and, and Theo answers them. And I think that's a good way of, of doing it. But I, I think that outside of that, there's um, like, I, I don't know. I think the conversation, that conversation is important, but I also think like outside of that, there's like the representation has much to be desired, leaves much to be desired for lack of better words. Um, and we see this a lot with like even Ambrose and like his sexuality, like it's very fluid and it's never really explicitly discussed, which again is in a way, like it has some positive aspects. Um, it has some positive aspects because sometimes I think it's important to just let people be and not have to necessarily need an explanation, but, um, there's so much about Ambrose. First of all, I loved Ambrose. Like he was one of my favorite characters and there's so much about him that we don't know. I don't know if we ever find out how he's actually related to Sabrina, which I don't know why I just was so interested in knowing. Um, like you said, with prudence too, we don't really talk about like racism in the coven, which I mean, to me, if we don't address it, it almost sounds like colorblindness. To, to think that, mm-hmm. oh, there isn't racism or something like that, but yes. that's not really like, there's so much that's left on, on, uh, like that's not taken care of. And that kind of goes back to like character development with Ambrose. Yeah. 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 I'm so, I'm so glad that you brought that brought up the like lack of, cause even at the beginning of the show, I was like, okay, 
like I'm such I feel like I think too much in my head but I'm like okay how is he going to be related to them like who was here's I'm just be honest I was like who was black where's the black people that are related to Sabrina to have well and he calls them aunties so I'm like what is it like like, yeah like like and I'm like okay they're related maybe his mom here's what I was saying I was like maybe his mom was black I I don't know because they don't go into detail and I'm like yeah I feel like those details are like needed to overcome the colorblindness like I feel like it's needed yeah I agree a hundred percent I agree a hundred percent I think that it leaves a lot of questions unanswered and I'm sure you can go into like fandom and find a lot of this out but yeah like I think leaving that unsaid unanswered is very it plays into colorblind tropes. It plays into this narrative that, oh, we don't need to talk about these things. And if we don't talk about them, then it's okay. And that also plays into tokenism where obviously we know that that's not acceptable. Like just throwing characters in there, not giving them adequate development, not giving them adequate backstories and spending so much time and effort and energy and space into other characters um, who are like heteronormative and, and largely white that's problematic. And that's where we, when you kind of dissect it a little bit. And I think, I mean, we're in our heads a lot because we're researchers, obviously, but I think there's so many things that people watch about shows like this and they'll walk away and maybe not be able to put their finger on it. So that's kind of one of the other things that we wanted to do with this series is be able to have these conversations and, you know, maybe you feel differently, but we wanted to put it out there. And a lot of people will um, say, well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was feeling, but I wasn't able to put my finger on it. And even if we're, if we're on the, the topic of like fluidity and sexuality, we can also talk about like Aunt Zelda and her whole little thing with Mambo Marie. And then Mambo Marie is actually like not Mambo Marie. She's, I forget like who, what the name is, but she's like a Haitian Lord of the dead or the undead. And that is seemingly it's a male, that whole thing at the end, I was like, why? I don't understand this. Like, why was this thrown in here? I didn't feel like it did much for, for the show or for that storyline. I don't know. That, that was a little, I don't know. I feel like there was a lot that was also unspoken and just kind of thrown in there. And maybe again, they had to wrap it up because Netflix was like, okay, like we're cutting the strings and that's it. Like you have to wrap up the show and they had to like kind of tie up those loose ends. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because at the end of the series I was confused I was like wait what I'm confused what's going on first of all like I I think when it comes to sexuality like we said with Susie to Theo like and Theo starts dating Robin like I feel like I I feel because like the whole time Aunt Zelda is still married to Faustus Blackwood, right? Because he he's they're still married technically. Well, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> I'm like, are. I'm like, if you're gonna, you can't just sprinkle things in there. If you're going to say it, you need to go a hundred percent. Like, not a hundred. It's kind of like what we talked about in Harry Potter, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Harry Potter a little bit more as we go into the like reproduction of white European interpretations of the church. But it's kind of like what we were saying where. And it's like left ambiguous, but even within that ambiguity, I feel like it, some of that ambiguity is not always best because like on Zelda's sexuality isn't like explicitly stated. And I'm like, well, like it's not explicitly stated, but then again, you can't just sprinkle things in because then that kind of falls into like tokenism and just like throwing it in there just to have like trendy, like 
LGBTQIA plus like topics and and representation or whatever, because I, I feel like if you're going to represent a marginalized community, such as people of color, such as LGBTQIA plus community, then you need to represent it in a way to where it won't fall into tokenism and it doesn't seem like you're just checking things off your list. And that's kind of what it felt like to me with even sometimes with Susie to Theo, it felt like that. Even sometimes yeah. with, especially with on Zelda, cause I was like, Oh, okay. Okay, cool. I'm gonna go along with it. Let's, let's roll with it. But then I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. I'm even more confused. Cause Mamba Marie was a man or not non-binary or I don't know. I was confused. Like an undead um, man manifesting like undead or like, <laughs> it, like embodying like a woman's body like that. Yeah. It, it all gonna, didn't. Yeah. That it was just weird. didn't, it didn't connect. And we're going to talk more about Mamba Marie and our, her story episode that we're going to have about the chilling adventures of Sabrina. But I feel like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like shows like having unexplicit representations just make it even more confusing or it doesn't really like make it like it doesn't like do justice yes exactly it doesn't do justice yeah I like that no that's perfect it doesn't do justice to the marginalized communities is what I should say yeah I agree and then yeah I, I I agree with all that I think that was so beautifully stated um and and then the whole um, thing around like religion and spirituality. That was like a whole thing that I Mm -hmm. just kept thinking about while I was watching the show. And obviously that was, I think like a central narrative within it, but that kind of divide of like good versus evil, but it was very like dark versus light. Like it played into very stereotypical, like heteronormative, um, uh, like, no, actually I, I should say more than just stereotypical or heteronormative. It was like, like hegemonic interpretations of good versus evil and the kind of like interpretation of like color versus darkness and and different Mm -hmm. things. So really played into those like binary and hegemonic narratives about spirituality and religion. Um, And then also included a lot of like inaccurate and conflicting messages about like witches and magic, which, you know, that's a whole thing. But um, I found it interesting too, that they, um, Okay. So one of the things I found really interesting about this was that they talk about the rampant um, misogyny and sexual abuse that's within the satanic church. So I found that really interesting. I don't know if that's meant to be like a parallel to anything, Um, but it was like, oh, even the satanic church, um, because we find out later too, like they explicitly state in like season three, I think it is, or four, that... um, when the pagans come, that's when they're like, oh, well, these are satanic witches and these, how these, these are how the pagan witches are different. So that whole narrative mm-hmm. we'll get into, but that was when I really realized like what they were doing with the satanic church. And so that was that whole thing where they're like, oh, look, even within the satanic church, you can't get away from misogyny. That's like a very, very clear storyline throughout. Like that's a, a through line, um, throughout the entire series where it's like, you know, here's misogyny and women having to create their own coven to fight it um, and kind of like harness their own power. And then there's this like also lack of like free will and choice, which is like, it's very deceivingly portrayed as if like, um, if you follow Satan and Lucifer, then you have free will and choice. But as we quickly find out, nobody has free will and choice, but especially (laughs) if you're a woman. especially for the woman and then poor Lilith, which we will talk about more in the history episode, but particularly we really see this manifested in Lilith. And in many ways I saw Lilith to represent the kind of plight of women around the Mm -hmm. world and like the plight of women within a lot of organized religion. So, um, 
Yeah, I thought that was really interesting um, that they kind of chose to continue those narratives about misogyny and sexism. Yeah, it's kind of like I got this kind of a lot throughout watching the show. I was like, I see what you were trying to do. It's just not following through in the best way. It's just falling short a little bit. And I think. I think we'll, like we said, we're going to have a whole separate episode, her story about Mamba Marie, Marie and how that connects to Marie Laveau and, and Lilith and the history of Lilith. And, but I think like overall, when it comes to like the, the religion and spirituality aspects of the show, like I understood, but it's just like some of the stories or some of the frames, I should say the frame, some of the framing of it, I feel like still falls into, like we said, it still reproduces the white European interpretations of church, Satan, and these very like, very narrow-minded aspects of good and evil, dark and light. Cause you know, the show tries to flip it and it's like the, you know, church of church of night or satanic church is supposed to be unquote good, but they're not really good. And the, mm-hmm. the pig it, it, it tries to flip it but I still feel like it's kind of like you can't just reverse things and it'd be okay if that makes yes, sense like absolutely. you can't just reverse it and it'll be okay which we will talk about a lot with these media talks because I feel like the new and upcoming like media series are trying to like play this role where they reverse it and it's just yeah. like oh it's okay now and right. I don't think that that's necessarily true because the white Eurocentric narrative is embedded within the foundation of of our perspectives and our ideology. And even if you reverse it, it's still the white Eurocentric narrative. I know that was a lot, what I just said. It was probably very like, very like out there, but you can't just reverse systemic racism and, and it'll be okay if that makes exactly. sense. If that, no, if that it makes totally it makes clear. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like you we are we're limited right now in our lens, mm-hmm. right? Because we are living in a modernist neoliberal post-colonial world largely. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, like what you're that's the lens that we have to analyze this through. And so especially the media continues to operate through that lens. And so we see this in like the mention of pagans and pagan paganistic rituals. I found it to play very much into an us versus them narrative with the pagan yes. and the satanic witches. Yes. I found a large connection to the way that they talked about pagan witches and even throughout the series about the role of witches and the witch hunters and the people of Greendale and who they drove out and who they killed and who they didn't like who existed, all of that really played into like the settler colonial narrative. So that Mm -hmm. was really problematic. And of course, like, like the, you know, the protagonists in the show are who is going to be centered, obviously. So like all of the protagonists are white. We just have to like all of the main central protagonists, the aunties, Sabrina, like all of the, like if you take away Ambrose, which Ambrose is technically a supporting character. Prudence Mm -hmm. is a supporting character. Roz is a supporting character. All of the main central characters are white. Yes. They're white. Yeah, Even the main villain in the end. You're right. You're right. They are. And the, the narrative is very like the way that, um, I think it's, it's when they create the order of Hecate and everything or Hecate and, um, the way that the pagans 
or wait, when I'm, I'm sorry, it's when Zelda like gets she on Zelda calls upon all the other witches that they kind of banish to help them. Oh, and yes. they're like, Why mm-hmm. would we help you? You've killed us. And that's what they've obviously done with the other pagan witches in the past. And she's like, Yes, but we need we you, you know, your survival is our survival, or our survival is your survival, or something. And I found that really interesting because I'm like, Oh, this sounds like a very familiar narrative throughout our nation's history. Mm-hmm. And it kind of it was interesting that they almost like played into that trope. And I don't know, again, like if that's what they were doing, they were like, look, we're being so revolutionary, but really they weren't because that's a narrative that we see in media. And it was, it was also interesting too, because we, there was like this hesitation to accept voodoo and Haitian forms of magic, especially from like Mama Marie, when she's first introduced into the role and like Zelda is like very hesitant to like have her form of magic there. But then there's like a rampant use of voodoo dolls from the beginning of the show, even before the Mama Marie character is introduced. So there's a lot of like Haitian and like voodoo rituals that are utilized, but the actual person who who is able to utilize those rituals is or or knows those rituals it's kind of like what we see now yeah it's kind of like what we see now where it's like sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but it's it's like the usage of sage in like cleansing but then you don't want to accept the the actual the actual people you don't want to like here we go tiktok like you can't outdo the doer like you mm-hmm. you you can't like outdo the originality and you don't want to accept the original like where it where it comes from sorry yeah thought of that no that's perfect i love that i think that's great and you're absolutely right that's a great connection like to the modern interpretation of smudging and like indigenous mm-hmm. and and even to a certain extent um like like brujeria and like witchy magic and things like that. It's very trendy right now, which it's great. Like I, you know, I think it's great. Everybody should like, you know, harness their own spirituality and whatever makes them comfortable. But remember that if you're doing brujeria and you're like, uh, uh, like you're appropriating something that's going to have negative consequences, especially if it's something spiritual like this. Um, But it's also like you had mentioned the kind of reproduction of white European interpretations of church and Satan worship and magic are very like centralized in the show. And Mm -hmm. I see that in various aspects of um, like imagery used in like artworks and sculptures and references and certain verbiage. It's very rooted in like, I want to say like middle ages, Anglo kind of like, like that era of, of interpretation of like church and and Satan worship and magic. Um, Mm -hmm. and it kind of furthers this like narrative of whiteness. And when I was seeing a lot of that and like this, the, there, the, um, when father Blackwood takes it from the church of the night church of night to the church of Judas. And he like, that he resurrects that, um, sculpture of Judas in, in, Mm -hmm. instead of, uh, Baphomet, Baphomet. I was like, I'm saying that wrong. Um, it was really interesting because it was like, a, it looked like a Renaissance painting version of what <laughs> Judas would be. And I was like, huh, mm-hmm. that's really interesting that they chose that imagery. And then even when Sabrina Morningstar like, is reigned as like queen of hell and she, her outfit is like very like, I'm like, oh, she's supposed to be Marie Antoinette. Like I just, I found the whole thing really interesting. And I'm like, which I know is later than Renaissance, but like, I was like, oh, it's the, the use of the imagery is very rooted in like Eurocentric culture. And that to me related back to the whiteness of Hollywood and who was writing these stories, whose perspective is being supportive, um, supported, like whose perspective is being, um, centralized. That was, that's what I kept going back to. And I, I'm going to relate this because we were talking about, I, well, I kept saying, I'm going to bring up the snake charmer woman again. Um, I believe her name was Nagena in the show, but um, there was a lot of like literal, literal Orientalism 
in the carnival episodes and especially in the use of the Nagena character. And she's like this over-sexualized, you know, I don't know. She's like a snake goddess, something. And that also reminded me of our conversation around Nagini or Nagini in the Harry Potter episode, which we, that's from our season one. So go back and listen to that as well. Especially if you're interested in this, you will probably like our Harry Potter episode that we did with the, um, Harry Potter, the HP half drunk podcast. Um, but anyway, I, I found a lot of connections to that and a lot of like manifestations of Orientalism um, in, in that episode. And also Orientalism links back to um, a white colonizer um, centralist narrative of the Orient as large or as small as that region and the people may be. So I found that to be really problematic too. Like I, I, I found that kind of disappointing too. Like when I saw that and like the snake charmer and the dancing and the belly dancing and, and how she's like enticing men, I was like, Oh, cool. So we're just playing into the Oriental femme fatale trope. Like there was a lot of problematic tropes that were, um, used in this show. And that's when, that's what I think when Ricky and I, when we talk about like when it's disappointing or like what you were saying, Ricky, about like the narrative being flipped, that's when it becomes really problematic is when it's, it's disappointing. Cause you're like, Oh really? Like when I saw that in like the carnival tent, I was like, Oh my God, for real. Come on, you guys. And then I don't know if the pagans were kind of like a dig at like, I may be reaching here, but I felt like maybe it was like a dig at like uh, gypsy or like Roma communities. I know gypsy can be um, offensive. So like, I don't know if that was supposed to be like Roma communities and their kind of connection to like earth, uh, like forms of earth and spirituality. So yeah, I don't know. I found that really problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what all of this is like, what all of the connection to all of this is that when you create characters based off marginalized communities, like we said in our Harry Potter episode, you have to do your research. You Mm -hmm. have to do, you have to think, you have to do the digging. Like you can't just be like, boom, here it is. Because when you do boom, here it is, you kind of, you leave room for misinterpretation, cultural appropriation, tokenism, stereotypes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like this is why what we've been saying, it's so important to have representation on the boards, on the writers. Like, mm-hmm. like if you, if you would have had, if you would have adequate representation within writers, within board members, within kind of like the quote unquote leaders of the media world or are the people making the decisions, then you have those people who can be like, excuse me, um, that's Orientalism. Excuse me. She's playing into the Jezebel stereotype. Excuse me. Why is he like, why are we fully representing his, his queerness? Why are we not fully like, why are we just leaning into it? Like, why are we not fully representing LGBTQIA plus communities in a positive perspective or excuse me this seems like we're doing this very yo ethnocentric good versus bad narrative let's extend beyond that you know and I feel like that's why it's so important to have those conversations at the at whatever table like we had that episode of seat at the table whatever table mm-hmm. chilling adventures of Sabrina was held everyone's coming together talking it's important to have representation at that table not just the actors, not just like the main creator, which we will talk about as we get into the other shows we talk about, but overall, like at a large, because there's only so much an actor can do because they're an actor. They're just like, you know, it takes work behind closed doors. And 
I feel like we don't want to leave off. Like as always, we we presented a lot of information um, about the show just so that we can introduce kind of this analytical media mindset and and always like having this media literate framework in which we consume our media because. I mean, if they opened a season five, I would definitely watch it. So sad they're yes. getting in season four. Yeah. Um, but at I least say, for, for the yeah. for the character backstories for some of them. Because yes. that's what I would yes. hope that they would do. That's what I felt like was really lacking too, where you didn't allow the characters to develop. We didn't get enough backstories. So it's yeah. just like, here you go. Here's a character. Okay, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I would definitely watch it. I feel like within like looking at a positive frame mindset, like I can say like, of course, like some of my favorite characters, of course, was Prudence. Um, of course, was Roz. Um, Prudence and Ambrose. Prudence and Ambrose, like I fully stand for them. Like they they were my two favorite characters, I feel like. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, Sabrina, sometimes Sabrina got my nerves. I'm like, girl, you get on my nerves. First of all, change your headband. Change oh my headband. God, the anyway, headband. <laughs> I know, I know it's based <laughs> off the comic, but like girl the headband. I was like, I oh, was we're like, still in season four. We, she did not have one wig change. Did she, was one. it the same wig from season one? Oh, like what girl, I don't even know. Charmaine and I had this conversation, Gray Matters community. We were like really di- like diving deep into this conversation. I was like, come on, Yaka did her a little bit better. But I'm just like, th- those are my favorite characters. I would have loved to see their development. However, I am happy for the introduction to like different feminist terminology for people who may have may have not been aware of it before like I think it's so profound that you can get your introduction to feminism and to these to the LGBTQIA plus community like for those who weren't exposed to transgender what that means non-binary I'm happy that you can get some type of exposure but I would encourage everyone to take a step further. Like once you get this exposure, you know, research, learn a bit more about what it means. Don't let it stop at the media that you consume because when you let it stop at the media you consume, you don't fully get like the the full holistic view of what of what these terms are. You kind of just get the trendy lingo, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You're getting the Hollywood whitewashed version usually of whatever their own narrative that they're centering as opposed to the accurate, like contextual. Yeah, absolutely. Like what Mm -hmm. Ricky said. I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that there were like some of the positive, like I, well, first of all, I'm with you. I loved, like I stand Ambrose so much. He was my favorite. I also really liked Roz. I think that they did Roz a little dirty somewhat in there, but those were definitely, I loved Prudence as well. Um, Those were some of my favorite characters too. But I think that like, especially when I think back to the audience that's watching this, I'm assuming that a lot of them are going to be younger. And I know that a lot of the Gen Z, especially young Gen Z is exposed to a lot of this terminology. Some of them may not be though. And so I think Mm -hmm. like the use and inclusion of like certain feminist terminologies and this kind of nod to intersectional feminism, um, especially like Wicca, the women's intersectional cultural and creative association. I found that really interesting and kind of weird that they threw an intersectional over there, but okay. Like, I mean, I get where they were going. So it's the use of the term intersectional. Um, You know, it was nice to hear those terms being used in a, in a media, like, very um, mainstream context. Um, But I definitely also would encourage people to look up what intersectionality is and who it was created by and all of that. We will go into intersectionality in one of our later episodes, but I, um, yeah, I, I think that was nice to hear. I think it, it's a good introduction. 
And I'm hoping that people will take that and find more interest in that. Again, I think it was good that they included, like did it LGBTQIA inclusion with the characters and the way that Mm -hmm. they interpreted like Robin and Theo or presented, I should say. But again, I think that there was a lot of room for improvement there. Like just a basic sprinkling in isn't enough. Um, and I, I do think two of the other really positive things were like, there was, there was a lot of female empowerment in there, like throughout where they kind of like lifted each other up. Sabrina was like, you know, of course she's the main character. She's a voice of reason for a lot of things, but you know, especially in the end when they become like the order of Hecate and, you know, they really become like all female coven and they're like empowering themselves and going against Lucifer. I think that there were a lot of conversations around like explicit consent. I think that was really good. Like there's a few instances of like Aunt Aunt Hilda and the, um, which I also loved Aunt Hilda. I mean, I think they did her character dirty sometimes, but I I loved her character, but they um, like her with the, one of the high priests of the church, when he comes to visit her, there's, there's a few conversations about explicit content consent. So I think that was important too. Um, But yeah, I think that sprinkling it in there isn't enough. I guess is, is what we're saying. Like, it's good to introduce these things, especially to a younger audience, a younger impressionable audience. Um, but it's almost not enough. And we definitely don't want people to think that that's, you know, like you're, what you're getting from the media is enough. That's yeah, for sure. Like we're hoping it's just an introduction. Yes. Yes. And I think that it's important to, to note that like, we as a gray matters community like we are here to kind of like we said provide tangible resources and help along your journey to explore these different social justice theories and and movements and communities and learn more about it I think it's definitely like we said it's definitely okay for your exposure to come from the media a lot of my first exposure to some things came from the media too like yeah absolutely um, and that's definitely okay. Like a lot of my inspiration still comes from the media, which is why I love researching the media. I love having an analytical eye. And I feel like, like we said before, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina did did a good did a good job introducing these topics and in having some characters of color and some representation, although it may not have been three-dimensional, it it's better than some things. It's better than what we had growing up, I can say. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, we do see the evolution. I do feel like media has a long way to go. And I think it starts with, you know, all of us having a more media literate lens and being able to have these conversations like Charmaine and I had today with others and around us and to extend the conversations. And we are so happy to introduce this series, Media Talks to You. We're going to have a lot more conversations about different medias. If you have any recommendations, both please feel free to send them to us. If you have any shows or music videos or anything, anything that you want us to kind of quote unquote dissect and delve a little bit deeper and analyze, send it to us. Um, our Send it to our email, blog at gmail.com or comment on our Instagram because um, we do post an Instagram um, kind of image and, and posts for all of our episodes. So there will definitely be a post to this episode so you can comment. Um, comment your favorite characters. Let us know your favorite characters. We would love to hear from you. Um, and stay tuned. Like we said, next next week we're going to have um, the Chilling of Adventures of Sabrina, the Her Story edition, where we're going to talk about Mambo Marie and talk about little those specific characters and their relations. So 
um, just stay tuned and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your support. You can continue to show your support by giving the podcast five stars and by following us on our website, graymatterstheblog.com. That's gray with an A and on Instagram, as well as sharing and commenting on our posts on at graymatterstheblog. We want to connect with our Gray Matters community. That's you, our listeners. So if you have a comment or inquiry about customizable trainings and workshops, email us at graymatterstheblog at gmail.com. Stay safe, everyone, and we will chat with you next week.